I'm joined on the Football CFB podcast today by Willie Morgan, a man who played for Manchester United, Burnley, Bolton, Blackpool, and also in America, um, and as well as playing for Scotland many times as well. Willie, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure. Nice to speak to you. The first question I've got, Willie, is you were born in the 1940s. It's a very different world to, to what we live in now. What was your upbringing like and what were your first memories of football? My upbringing, well, I was actually I was actually born in Glasgow in the hospital, but obviously from Socky. My mother, they sent my mother through and then back. I brought up in Socky, which is a mining village. So everyone in the village was a miner. Everyone down the pits. And... Uh, it was very, well, we didn't know we were poor, but no one had a telly, no one had a phone. Uh, we ate when there was any food. <laughs> and we normally, we, and don't forget, there was no cars in the village. No one had a car, very few bikes. And the, um, we played in the streets. We used tin cans. And occasionally you'd get an old Casey, as we called them, you know, an old leather football, and we'd stuff it stuff it full of newspapers and play with that. But we just played in the streets under the, the gas lamps in those days. Um, and that was our upbringing. We, we didn't know any any different. You know, it was the same for everyone. You mentioned the fact it was the same for everyone and, and that's the way society was then. In terms of football, when did you first get into football? Well, we started playing in the streets when I was like three, four, five-year-old. We, we just played, say I had a tin can or an old Casey or, or anything. We used anything. And we just we just played. And we played at school, you know, playtime. Uh, somebody would always come up with a bloody tennis ball or something. And uh, we played in the playground. Um, that my ambition, when I, when I was a little bit older, my ambition was to play for Socky. Uh, my brother had played for them. And uh, they were in those days were called Socky Juveniles. I know they're now Socky Juniors, uh, but they were called Socky Juveniles. And they were one of of many pit village teams. So the the league was they travelled and it was all to pit villages people, you know. So all for same milk, and that was it. And that was my ambition was to play for Socky when I grew up. So I got a little bit lucky. You mentioned the fact that you got a little bit lucky there. How did you get into football in terms of signing for a club and, and, and going through a youth career? Because you ended up going down to England quite young. I came at 15. Well, I was due to leave school and I played for, obviously I played for the school team and I played for a local Fishcross boys club in the Saturday afternoon. I played for the school team in the morning, St Mungo's. And then... Um, I was due to leave school, at, um, obviously birthday's in October, so I was due to leave at Christmas. And but Manning County qualified for the first time in history, because it's a very small county, it's the smallest county in Scotland. Um, we, we won the first two rounds of the uh, Scottish Cup, you know, uh, and the next round wasn't until the following February. So I was due to go down the pits. Um, that was my, that's where I was going to end up, down the pits with, my, with all my family. And anyway, the, the school teacher, t- 
came, the headmaster came and uh, asked my dad if I could stay on for another term to play in the next round. And he said, no, uh, he's got to go to work. Anyway, a day later, the, the priest arrived at the house and asked, asked the dad. And so he said, yeah, okay. Um, so it was that to the priest that, uh, that I've got to thank because I stayed on for another time. We we played, I can't remember now, I think we beat Dundee, we beat several. Then we played Glasgow and uh, I think we got robbed in the semi-final. And from the, then went back home uh, again. You know, I had to finish the term at school and uh, Easter and then down the pits. And we got back home after match, and then doorbell. No, we didn't have a doorbell. It's a lie. <laughs> they just <laughs> knock on the door. Um, people come to the house, scouts. So we had, you know, all the scouts from Scotland, uh, Celtic, Rangers, Patrick Thistle, um, still in Albion, you know, and also scouts from England. Uh, now we never we didn't know what a scout was. I'd never been out the village. Don't forget, we were very very limited in what we knew and who we knew. The only player I'd ever heard of was Stanley Matthews. Um, uh, other than the Scottish players, I was a Celtic supporter, and of course my heroes were Willie Fernie and Charlie Tully, uh, Morton, all, anyway, all that mob. Uh, and then the. The, the scouts from, and obviously I was going to, my dad uh, wanted me to go to Celtic, which I was going to do, which was like out the blue. And he said, he doesn't have to work. So I said, but yeah. And then the scouts from England, and they, there were Newcastle, the ones that came that we spoke to, Newcastle, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Blackpool, uh, and they said, oh, well, he can come for a couple of weeks and, you know, see if he likes it. And don't forget, I'd not been out the, I'd not been out the village. So, and he said, we'll, we'll pay him when he's there. And my dad said, pay him? What are you going to pay him? <laughs> we pay him £8 a week. £8? He said, a week. So... <laughs> Um, you have to appreciate, uh, this is back in 1959. <laughs> My dad worked in the pits. Uh, he did a six-hour week for £3.10. Shillings. Don't get the old money then, Callum. Yeah. Uh, £3.10. Shillings. And, uh, and he said, £8? You're going to pay? He's 15-year-old. <laughs> so when he, he gets £16. So we decided, I'd never heard of Burnley. Never heard of them at all. Um, I'd heard of Arsenal, I've heard of Newcastle, I heard of Blackpool, obviously, and Matthews. And I'd heard of Chelsea. I think Ted Drake was the manager at that time. Anyway, so we decided, oh, we, we sat down and we <laughs> the whole family said, well, if you go there, then go there, they go there, we get £16, £16, £16. And that would have made us rich. I mean, really rich. So, and then come back and sign for Celtic. That was the plan. Um, I 
chose, we went to Burnley first, I'd never heard of them. They were going to Burnley, Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea, Blackpool, Newcastle, and then back up. So collect all the £16, which is made us really serious, they made the family rich. And went to Burnley, and I took the bone of my toe when I was there. So I was in Plast for six weeks, and they were really, really nice to me. <laughs> they said, you know, are you going to sign for us? And I said, yeah, you know. So, don't forget, we didn't have any phones or anything. So they, they sent the scout, and the scout was called Jimmy Steen. He lived in Whitburn. And so they, the scout travelled through to Socky to tell me dad I was going to sign. And he said, no, he's not signing for you. Um, he said, yeah, you make a, you've made a mistake. He said, no, no, no. He said he'd like to sign. So any chance that you could come down to, to Burnley? And I got a long story short, he did. And uh, he was well, not very happy, obviously, because A, no one got a load of money, and B, I wasn't going to pay for Celtic. So, but I signed for Burnley, and they, they I signed in 1960, and they were the English champions. They won the English, they, they won the league that year. It was the old first division in those days. They were a great team. They, they were a great team. And they said, Harry Potts is the manager, and they were very, very nice. So I decided to stay, and, well, the rest is history. You mentioned the fact that the rest is, is history. Um, you, you join Burnley, you you play some reserve football, then in the 62-63 season you get your breakthrough and you get a debut against Sheffield Wednesday. What was it like making your professional debut in the first division? Um, well, we, you know, there was we were on the ground staff, as they called it at the time, until you, and I just turned 18. Uh, and the... It was an away game, and I always remember, you know, obviously we'd watch the games as we played in the reserve. We played in the A team, the B team, and then the, we sat in the Colts. We had five teams in those years, so at 15 I was in the Colts, then in the B team, then the A team, then the reserves. And you due to get into the first team when you were about 25, 25, 26. So that, that was the expectation. Anyway... He, uh, Harry Potts came and said, I'd like you to play tonight at um, Sheffield. And they left back with a fearsome Don Megson. My God, Don. If he, I don't know if he's still alive. I hope he is. Um, and he was. He was fearsome. Uh, anyway, you know, we went there. We beat them. And I you know, did very well. And then I kept my place. It was unusual to get into the first team when you were 18. So what they had to do, they then, John John Connelly, who also played for England, was the right winger. So they moved him to the left wing. Uh, Brent Pilkerton was the left winger and they retired him. So I could play in the right wing. Um, And that's that's how it started. You know, we had a great team. Berlin was a really very, very good team in those days. It was all good. It was all good. You mentioned the fact it's a, it's a situation that's all good. Harry Potts is the manager of Burnley, as you said. 
One of the games mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about is the fact that the club won 6-1 over Man United and you scored two goals. Just how great a feeling was that? I, uh, you know, that's a bone of contention with, I have a, <laughs> still a friend. <laughs> I've been seeing him in Tenerife for the last 25 years. The centre forward that day was Andy Lockhead. Burnley centre forward. And I made four goals for him. And I scored the other two. And to this day, the first thing he ever says, how the hell did you get man the match? I scored four goals. <laughs> And to this, honestly, absolutely true. In fun, of course, but he's never, ever got over it. That he scored four goals. But I said, I made all your goals. And I scored two in the bargain. So, well, but I scored four goals. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah, that was, I think, uh, when when I actually went and when I started playing golf with Samat. And he was saying that was the day that, he wanted me after that match. He said, we wanted, I wanted you then. You, but he you, said, you weren't, you know, Burnley weren't going to let you go. And it was only because I, I got into a dispute with Burnley that, uh, that I got away. Because don't forget, there was no freedom of contract in those days, Callum. Well, that's true. You. you mentioned the fact that the club owned you in that era. Sir Matt wanted you then, but couldn't get you. You then stayed at Burnley for a while. You got a big reputation in the game. You became a fan's favourite. There was a Scotland debut in amongst that as well. Before we come mm-hmm. to how you left, yeah. I want to ask you about two events. You mentioned the fact you're a Celtic fan. What was it like living through 1967 when the Lisbon Lions won the Cup and then Man United, your future team, won it the year after? It, it was fantastic because... When I when I joined Man U, we went on a on a tour. After Man U won the European Cup, I joined them, and we were post-season tour. And we met up with Celtic in New York, and we played them. Uh, and I also played against Celtic in Bobby Charlton's testimonial match at Old Trafford. Uh, and after after the, I mean, obviously when I at fifteen, I was supposed to. But when I was eighteen. Before I signed professional uh, for Burnley, uh, Jock Steen came back and asked me if I, you know, would go up and have a chat. And I said, no, no, I'm, I want to stay. And then when I joined Man U, uh, when I had the dispute with Burnley, uh, I guess 22, 23 then, and uh, I, I actually went up to Celtic Park, met Jock, took my dad through, he was over the moon. And Neil Mocking was his jock's right hand man and said, you know, we'd love you to come back and, you know, it's all for you here. And I, I must admit, I did, uh, I did give it a lot of thought. Um, but, yeah, well, and then United came in and, again, you know, as I've said a million times, I joined the right club at the wrong team um, they were at the end most of them were coming towards the end of their careers I mean they were a great team and great players but they were coming towards the end so but I wouldn't change a thing Callum uh, life's been good Christ I could have been digging coal I'd probably be dead with pneumonicosis now so <laughs> uh, as all my family are yeah. uh, so just lucky just lucky 
you mentioned the fact you feel very lucky. You signed for Manchester United under Sir Matt Busby, as you've said, the year that they, they've just won the, the European Cup. You mentioned the fact that the team were, were getting older. What was it like playing with the, the, yeah. the players that are adored and, and, and really, obviously, get statues of them in George Best, Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law? Yeah, that didn't bother me. Um, that didn't bother me at all. I mean, we had a great record against Man United uh, at Burnley. We had a great record. Uh, and, you know, at, at that time, I mean, I uh, I don't forget they paid a record fee for me. Uh, $117,000. It's funny now, but that was a record fee that must be paid for me. And the only thing I asked for the number seven shirt. Um, and he said, yeah, you got it. Uh, okay. And that was it. And the first day at training, uh, that was on the Saturday I signed. Uh, and I went back, I lived in a place called Baker at the time. I went back to play golf. And then on the Monday when I arrived, uh, George you know, finished training, having a bit of lunch, and uh, took me up to Manchester, which was all new for me, you know. And uh, this was fifth in, and we had a bit of lunch, and he says, we're going to be friends, aren't we? I said, of course, you know. Uh, because you know what it's going to be like in newspapers, they're always going to try and do this and that. And we became friends that day, and stayed friends. Sadly, he left here. So, uh, even though I took his shirt, and he, he did say, "Well, I don't mind." <laughs> so, um, no, I, my days there were great. I mean, Samat was class, and the supporters are amazing. Um, even to this day, you know, it's still the same. They are just exceptional, exceptional people. Um, and I made the right decision, and I'm still down here in Manchester, so never left. Can't get rid of us once we're here, Colin. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's one of those things where it's a it's a lovely part of the world, even though it can be a, a part of the world that, that rains quite often. I want to talk to you about your night. No, <laughs> no, it's a myth. No, no, no. We live down in South Manchester. We live in actually just in Cheshire. Ah, you're joking. It's, there's not that much rain here. That's a myth, rainy Manchester. So, <laughs> no, it's a great part of the world. Obviously, never left. So, And a lot of us still here. You know, Paddy, Dennis, Nobby, Dave Sadler. Loads of us still live around here. And all the, the new guys, Brian Robson, you know, all still here. So, no, it's a nice part of the world. It's a lovely part of the world, as you've said. I want to talk to you about that United spell in general in terms of Sir Matt leaves the club and it's been well documented, obviously, Wilf McGuinness, Frank Afaro, Tommy Doherty were the managers after that. What was it like when Sir Matt left Mm -hmm. and what were the years like after that? Because it was was quite a few managers, pardon me, in quick succession. Well, as we have, again, said many times, what he tried to do was absolutely right, and it was, it was new, completely new, to appoint someone 
from within the club to promote him to manager and keep it all as it was. The idea was, I said, brand new. And it was right. Sadly, the guy was wrong. Wolf was an idiot. Uh, he was the brain of a three-year-old. So he, um, he just did it all wrong. The idea was right. Unfortunately, the guy was wrong. And then uh, Frank, yeah, Frank was, he was okay. But he, he then started, uh, he had a guy called Malcolm Musgrove with him. He was an absolutely charming man, lovely guy. He's a coach. And he said, he said well, we'll have some coaching sessions. So, what are you going to tell me to do? Or you tell Bestie to Bobby or Bobby or Dennis. Or, but we, we, you don't have to coach him, we can play. And he he just got bogged down with this start of this coaching thing. So, sadly, again, he was a nice guy. Frank was very, very nice. And then, of course, you know, I've said many times on record. I mean, him and I, as you probably know, or I don't know if you do. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me for libel. We ended up, we ended up in the old Bailey. Uh, but I got him the bloody job. As a manager of Scotland, he was brilliant, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. And I, I've said many, many times, several things. But one, if he had stayed on for the World Cup, we would have had a good chance of winning that World Cup. You know, we never got beat. We had a good team. We had a great team. And Doc was great. Anyway, you, you know, I was playing golf with, with uh, Matt, as I did, at near where I play. Uh, where I still play. And after we, we come off, it was a Thursday, uh, we come off and have a cup of tea and a tea cake. And he said, and I'd been, well, Dennis and I had been uh, away with, on tour with Scotland. And Doc was still the manager. This is back in 72. We'd been around the world, played, ended up playing in a mini, mini World Cup in Brazil. Uh, and he said, what do you, what do you think of him? And I think he was he's great, you know, he did this, he did that. And he, uh, great to be around, funny and that. And he was. He says, well, you know, he's not got a great reputation. I said, honestly, Gaffer, he's different class. I said, do you think he, he said, do you think, do you think he would be, do a job for us? I said, I think he'd be great. Um, so I went home. And later on that night, the Gaffer phoned me at home and said, you don't have his number, do you? I said, is it happened to do? Um, he lived in large at the time. Correct. Anyway, I gave uh, some uh, Tommy's number, and he got the job on the Saturday. And then, well, unfortunately, <laughs> he's great in small doses. The manager of Scotland, and you only see him every now and again. He's fabulous on a day-to-day basis. He's evil, and well, you know the rest of history. Again, it's. Uh, it didn't turn out too well. Uh, I was captain at the time. I just signed a new six-year contract. Um, and he turned on me. I found out what he'd been doing. I didn't believe what he'd been doing to other players. I 
just didn't believe it. And then actually got it from one of the guys who really, this is what he did to me. And I said, honestly. And uh, he says, yeah. So I went to see him. I said, why were you doing that? Uh, I'm not going to mention it. But I said, why don't you really help him? Yeah, Jesus. Uh, no, I'm going to get rid of him. And, you know, I said, but you're not. And he was, he did it behind your back. That was the problem. You know, he did me. I didn't even know he was doing me. Till he started being silly. I had no idea. Anyway, he, he was very clever. And it takes you long. Callum, you'd have to read, read the book. It's all in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. And again, he got rid of me. Through no means, of, I tell you, he was brilliant. He was a sneaky sneaky human being. He's horrible. Um, but, I, you know, I did. I put the word on him. I, I couldn't believe. But fortunately, it's true. So, and then he wanted to get rid of to get rid of Busby as well. That was his next objective. So he cozied up to Louis Edwards, the chairman, and got in his ear. And and it got kind of hairy there for a while for the gaffer at the time. But of course, he made the mistake of uh, making Laurie reserve team trainer, sending away in matches and going around and giving his missus one. Yeah. So it works. In terms of that time, well, at, in terms of that time at United, one of the big things, as you know, the big talking point, the too good to go down season where the club is relegated, and then you play a big part in the club returning and getting promoted again. What was it like when Manchester yeah, United it, were relegated, and what was it like helping the club bounce back, even though your relationship with the manager wasn't great? Well, sadly, I have the distinction of being captain to take them down, but also bring them back. Getting relegated was, was mind-blowing. We just didn't think it could possibly happen. Uh, but it did. But like you said, the following season, we came back. You know, and the one thing that didn't change, the fans were amazing. Home and away. Every, every time. Unbelievable. Um, they, were, they were great. And you wanted to do it for them. Just as much as yourself or, you know, for the guy. You wanted to do it for the fans. They they were fantastic. So it yeah, it was it wasn't a good time. I mean that that season. It was a season before I went off to the World Cup. And I played probably three, four months of the season with with injuries and ended up with a really, really bad groin strain by carrying injuries. For the first two, three weeks in Scotland before we went, I just got treatment. I didn't train, didn't play, didn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't walk. I didn't think I'd be able to play at all. Um, eventually, it cleared up enough. Uh, but I was in a bad way when I joined, when I joined them. So, but then when I came back, that's when he started, that's 75, uh, 74, 75 season. Yeah. Anyway, I'm still here. My golf is still good, Callum. <laughs> I know you're laughing. I'm serious. No, I'm, 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 I play every day. <laughs> I play every day. 
I'm, I'm not sure. laughing at your golf. Never. I'm just laughing at the fact that, as you've said, you're you're loving life in Manchester, and and I just love the fact that, especially from someone like you, Willie, who played for Manchester United, played for Burnley, played so many so many years ago. It's been a long time since you retired, but what I love is the fact. The reason I'm laughing with the golf is I just love the fact you've still got that competitive spirit. Ah, uh, it's. Uh... Uh, oh, oh no! It's fierce on the golf course. Believe me, <laughs> it's much worse in the golf course than it was in the football pitch. Um, no, it's you know I never actually retired. I never announced a retirement. I had spent I had spent the last four years uh, at playing at Bolton. I started at Bolton, and then. After a couple of years, I, I was playing the whole year because of the, the seasons overlapped. It was a, a sign for Chicago Sting in '77, and then I had four four years in um, in America. So I was playing like 130 100 odd matches without a break because they, they overlapped. So I went straight into the American season and. When we finished America, the season already started here, and I just came back and carried straight on. So the last four years of playing, I never had a break, and I played you know, 400, nearly 500 matches in that period. And I was tired. And when I came back, I had a phone call from Jimmy Anfield. Jimmy, I can't remember which one it was. He got the job as manager of Leeds. And he phoned me up and said, "Well, you come in. Well, you sign for us. You come, you know." And I said, "I said I'm just retired, man." And I said, that, "To travel every day over to Leeds, you know, it's a long commute for me." Uh, I said, "But I will think about it." And I didn't do nothing. I just let it go. I never actually announced any retirement. I mean, for many years, I, I used to go up to Old Trafford, you know, to. My pal Peter Collins had a boxer. And the amount of people said, Oh, you've been injured. <laughs> I said, No. Oh, but I've not seen your name in the paper for a while. You had a bad injury? No, I've not had an injury. I'm all right. I've just not been playing. So, and it worked. I thought if I announced a retirement, it's the finality of it that I would probably miss it then. And so far, Mm, maybe the odd occasion. I'd love to play in the pitches. Jesus, wouldn't wouldn't we all? Bobby, George, Dennis, Paddy. The pitches to play on these days are like unbelievable. Uh, but we played in mud. So, but other than that, nah, good luck to them. It's a different game. Uh, it's run by coaches and it's kind of... I, I don't go to many games. Uh, at all, it's, uh, it's like watching grass grow, and that's coaches. Uh, people who couldn't play tell people how to play. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of coaches. Anyway, I digress, Cal. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Not a problem. Um, I want to talk about. We've talked about Doherty. We've talked about relegation, bouncing back. In terms of. Manchester United as a whole. You played your last game, which was a 4-0 win over Blackpool. Overall, what was it like playing for a club like Manchester United? 
Oh, I mean, it was night and day. I mean, it was good. And so Burnley was a great team. They were English champions. They'd come to Man U and we beat Man But walking out at Turf Moor, and, you know, one of the fortunate things for myself was that I was always a fan favourite. Uh, but to walk out Old Trafford that first night, we, we were playing. They were playing Spurs. It was a Wednesday night. I said I joined them on the a friend on the Saturday. They actually got beat four 0 at home by Chelsea. The day I signed, although I didn't see the match at all. I went off. I went back to play golf. But on the the Wednesday night, I made my debut. Uh, Still no the left back. And we the, the fans were amazing. I mean, they were just and and it's never changed. You know. Um, you know, player of the year a couple of times, and it, it just never changed. I had a great affinity with with all the, the supporters, and still have. I still have. They uh, they deserve success. Um, development. All supporters are. I mean, no, what, what club you support doesn't matter what level. You know, it's it's that's their life, and you don't appreciate that when you're young. You know, you. All, all we used to say, well, I didn't. I've never worked. I just kicked a piece of leather around and got paid. What we, my dad told me anyway. <laughs> well, what a way, what a way to get paid, as you've said. And not only your career at United, you went back to Burnley. You played with Bolton, and something I want to talk to you about is your time in America. What was it like playing in Chicago and also playing in Minnesota? And what was it like living there as well? Um. I only went for four months of the season, so it, and I had lots of friends uh, in America the time I went out, and the the, the main reason I signed, I actually had agreed to to go to America uh, just two previous years before I went, and it was Bill Fultz was the manager of Chicago. And then when it got near the time I pulled out, I said, no, gosh, I just don't want to, uh, it's, too, it's too far. <laughs> not, not going to bother. And then the third season, they came back and they came over and uh, they said, look, you want more money? <laughs> I said, no, I've agreed the contract with you. It's fine. I don't need any more money. And they said, anything you you like about America that we can do? Do you want to, you know, us to take you and the kids after the season's finished to Disney World? And I said, no, I can't because obviously um, I contracted back home. I have to go back and the season's already started. I said, the only thing I'd love to do, I'd love to go and see Elvis in Las Vegas. I said, he, he does Las Vegas uh, every summer. <laughs> okay. So... He said, well, I'm sure uh, I can sort that. I said, can you? I said, well, if you can get me there, you know, I can get someone to uh, introduce me to him. He said, can you? I said, yeah. Tom Jones, he sings there all the time. I know Tom. And I know that if I met, you know, Tom will take me to meet him because they're, they're very friendly. So he said, okay. Well, he said, I have, I have a, a private plane. I will fly you there myself. And uh, I said, well, you put that in the contract. <laughs> 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 yes, if you want. 
I said, no, I'll, I, you know, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, it'd be nice. And he did. And unfortunately, when we were due, Elvis didn't do Vegas. He'd taken ill. And the whole Vegas season was cancelled. So that was a major disappointment, Callum. But that's the reason, that one of the reasons that I actually went to America in the first place. But when I got there, I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was brilliant. I just loved nice weather, playing. It, it was great. So, and then, of course, Minnesota came in. I mean, Chicago wanted me to go back again. Minnesota came in and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And um, so I went there. I had three, three seasons with them. And then they asked me to go back as manager. And I said, well, I can't, you know, my kids are still at school and I can't move my kids. And so it's the one, mm, one little thing that uh, I probably, I would like to have had a go. I believe it, I could be very successful as a manager, no doubt. Um, and it's, if I have any regrets, that's, one regret that I didn't become a manager. I got offered a few jobs here when I came back. They weren't in the first division, but yeah, but I had to move house again, and I didn't want I didn't want to leave. I said the kids were at school, and I just didn't want to leave. And mm, maybe little regret, maybe. But at least my golf's good. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you about as well was, did you ever have the chance to play for Celtic again? You mentioned the fact you had a chance when you were a kid, but did you ever have a chance when you were at United or Burnley the second time? No, no, no. When I, when I, um, 15, I, I could have gone to Celtic at 15. I could have gone to Celtic when I was 18. And I could have gone to Celtic when I was 23. Um, and it became, it became really friendly with Jock Steen. You know, he came over to Germany when we were there. Uh, and I spent about time and he said, you know, I wish I'd have got you. He said, it would be great. He said, I really, really wanted you there. He said, but, you know, obviously, United and Samat, he did, he did a good job as well. So, But, yeah, uh, it, again, it's one of those things as a Celtic fan. Um, I would have loved to... I'd have loved to play for them. But yet the daft thing, most of my pals there, they're all Rangers fans. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're all my pals there. They're That's all Rangers great. fans. And all, obviously, my friends. Um, great guys. Uh, and playing for Scotland was great. You know, we had a great team. We probably, arguably, best Scottish team ever. Um... We were a bit unlucky in the World Cup. To get eliminated without getting beat was a bit harsh. So, but other than that, other than that, if I hadn't kicked the ball, like I said, I would have had to work. Absolutely, indeed. And what I want to 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 also talk to you about is. In, in, in relation to Scotland is the fact that you played at a World Cup something that we've not done as a nation now for far too long and and potentially won't for another wee while obviously it's going to be at least well, 2022 
I think when we qualified, Callum, uh, it's in 1972, 73, we qualified, I can't remember, the, uh, Czech, when we beat Czechoslovakia and uh, qualified. I think that was the first time for about 40-odd years as well that Scotland had got to a World Cup. So uh, it's it's difficult, you know, it's, it's difficult up there. You know, all the kids that used to get, all the working-class kids, minors, families and that, kids who just played football. Nowadays, you've got, you know, four- and five-year-olds, they're off with their shiny boots and getting coached. Don't coach kids. Let's let them develop. Let their talent come through and play them in the position that his talent requires and stop. Coaches telling people how to play. And invariably, the people who couldn't play themselves. So, I... And it's hard. It's hard in Scotland. They don't have that working-class... The villages like we had back then, it, it's different. You know, it's still working class people, but it's not the same, not the same uh, poverty and conditions that we were in. So it's very, very difficult. Um, it, it just is. So whoever, whoever is in charge of the Scottish team, you know, they got, it's a hard job. It really is a hard job. So, but you never know one day. I did apply for the job once, but they didn't give me it. When was that? <laughs> so it was a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who was who was leaving something. Uh, what my pal said, why don't you bloody apply for it? You don't have to live. They just go up. You, you can commute and all your players are down here anyway. I said, what a good idea. So I sent in an application. They were asking, you know, people to apply for the job. And they sent me a lovely letter back saying, Willie, thank you very much. But on this occasion, I'm going to have to pass you over. So, so yes, I did. Yes, I did. But nowadays, you can't get a job. Unless you've got a coaching badge, you can't get a job. That's true. And I'd never lower myself to go and get a coaching badge. So, And most of the old players are the same. You know, Dennis, Bobby, Paddy, none of them. Nobby, Dave Sadler, none of them. We'd go and get a coaching badge. It's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. You know, like anyone. All you have to do is ask the fans, who's the best right winger? Who's your best centre forward? Who's your... They'll tell you. You don't need a coach to play right winger on the centre forward and the left winger at right back. And gee, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy, the football now. And I, again, I diverse. You mentioned Bobby Charlton there, the, the likes of Dennis, Nobby, yourself in terms of coaching badges. What mm. was Bobby like as a character? Because he's one of the most iconic players. And what were the guys like Nobby, obviously a World Cup winner as well, what were they like as characters as well as players? What was their work ethic and their application like? Uh, Bobby, you know, Bobby came through the crash, which is incredible. And, it, it, I mean, you just would wish that on anyone but he came through it as did Matt and you know and, it, and it, it obviously stayed with him for a long long time but Bobby's a good guy Bobby's a great guy a uh, great player uh, it was a happy you know there was no clicks when I came to Man U 68 I'd say, there was no clicks everybody everybody the only you know the only person when I, when I said I was signed uh, and I came on the Friday night to chat to, to Matt. And she said, anything now that you, you, anything that would bother you? I said, well, I don't like Nobby Styles. 
said, he's, he's very nice. I said, yeah, right, okay. Because not that I played, I mean, I've, I played against left back in those days. Nobody was left half. Um, and we had a lot of chit-chat on the pitching back <laughs> then. And uh, you know something? He's arguably the nicest man I've ever met. Nobby Styles. You couldn't believe what you see in the pitch, <laughs> what you see off the pitch. <laughs> He's a beautiful person, beautiful person. Anyway, I've only said that so he won't kick me next time I see him. <laughs> I've obviously got to ask no, the... I only kid. The what, I've got to ask the obvious question. You've talked about Nobby, you've talked about Bobby Charlton. What was George Best really like? Because he's someone that obviously there's films about, books about. Was he as confident as, as is portrayed? Or was he quite a shy guy, really? And maybe the bravado covered that up? No, Best... You know, and again, I've said many times, I did a documentary there for a thing about George. And uh, from the day one, I told you what happened. He took me for lunch and we became great friends. Yeah. Um, George, was, he, he wasn't a drinker. He wasn't a drinker. There was a few drinkers, but George wasn't one of them. Uh, he didn't drink in those days. He was just a nice... We we had a, I say there was no clicks as such, but when we were on the road, we had a little, we'd, we'd go to the pictures and wherever, you know, and we're all, uh, there was Bestie, uh, Dennis, Sadie, Alex Stepney, Paddy Crown, and me. That was it. And we'd, we were all going and spend our time together when we, when we were away, you know, for midweek games or when we were on the road. No, we just all, there was no, nothing. It was only towards the end. You know, George made a mistake when he missed the train, which is well known. But he actually did miss the train. He, he had, he lived in his, he had his own house. He had a house built and he slept in. And he missed the train by three or four minutes, that's all. And then he got the next one. It was only an hour later. Going from Manchester to London, we were playing, I can't remember, we were playing something in London, obviously. And when he arrived an hour later, you know, the Matt said, nothing, never really, just said, I think it'd be better if you just have the weekend off. Just take the weekend off and have a nice, nice time. Um, and I'll see you on Monday. Um and that, that was, it wasn't because he'd been drinking or I think he just happened to be a little bit late, um, which I've all been. And uh, it was only when he, when he finished and when he moved to London, all his friends were here. He made great friends here, George. Great friends. Outside of football as well as inside. Great friends. And he, he was a good guy. I mean, it's not like he was anything. Just a good guy. Just a really, really nice guy. Great company. And but when he went to London, you know, I think he got he, a bit depressed and started gambling and started drinking. And, well, you know you know the rest as well now. So, mm. but not not when he was playing, you know. Oh, there was myths about it. Absolute garbage. Um he was, he was never late for training. You know, it wasn't like he was a really wild thing. <laughs> no, 
nobody, the only one that was right for trade was Trevant. He was always bloody late. Um, and nothing was ever done, of course. So it, it was, I, I don't know. All I can tell you, he was a good guy. And it's, the world was a sadder place without him. I, I completely agree. He didn't, have a bad, he didn't have a bad bone in his body. Completely agree. I think his talent, the talent of that 68 team as well, even when you initially joined, I know they were a lot older, but there was still a lot of talent there. And obviously things progressed. There was changes of managers. We talked about the relegation and the building back. But I think when you look back in the United history books, I've recently spoke to Wayne Barton and um, he obviously has written quite a few Man United books and that whole era of Manchester United is just an era that, although mm. the relegation and, and there was controversy there, it's a, it's an era that when you played that's still highly regarded and it's talked about, as you know, so much today. And you mentioned the fact you'd done a documentary on George that was too good to go down the documentary as well. I'd imagine it's an era you're asked about most about your career, probably your time at Manchester United. Um, yeah, it, obviously. I uh, just did a thing for, you know, the, there's a new movie out called Busby, which you probably know. Yes, I've got it. I've just bought it. Deep. Have you? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I actually did quite a long interview uh, uh, for that, but they only use a little bit at the end. But we, we, it, the 68 team that I joined was a great team. Everybody in their own position. You know, don't forget, you played in your position. And it was a great, great team. And I, I don't care who you are, many teams since, that team would have beat any Man United team since. I don't know about the previous ones when Duncan Edwards was playing and that, because I, I didn't see that. But any of them. Certainly, the present one would be, that's for sure. Thank God. <laughs> they get the pop team down the road, they'll beat them and all. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, you couldn't, I mean, all, all you have to do, I mean, there was no tactics. We had no tactics. Matt, there's no tactics. He just said, yeah, Spurs, yeah, they're a good team. They're not as good as you. Go on, enjoy yourself, get them beat. And that was it. Then you never saw them to full time, that was it. No matter what. And invariably, you know, we were still winning that as well. But he didn't have any tactics at all. He wasn't a coach. He was a manager. And said, the only reason you've got the number seven shirt because you're the best number seven in the world. And the only reason Bobby's got the number eight shirt, I think he played in the time, because he's the best. Oh, number nine, Bobby played. He's the best in the world. And that's why they're here. Um... So it was it was very easy to to play in that team. It was all attacking. Everything's just about attack, scoring goals. So you watch it now and well I hope Ollie does a good job. I hope he uh, hope they back him. But I don't know where he's gonna get the players. That's the, that's the trouble. It's all right having a good manager now, but we've got so many bad players there that you can't get rid of. They're on too much money. Nobody else will take them. So you stuck with him. One in particular, I'm not going to mention again. Go on. <laughs> Next question, Callum. Of course, um, I want to just have talk about football in general with you and, and some of the memories. What would you say was your best moment in the game? My best moment? Oh, my God. 
a best moment. I think of all the great, uh, well, there was, oh my God, my God. I have so many great moments. I think walking out the first night at Old Trafford, not knowing what it was going to be like, you know, uh, was amazing. Uh, when we played New York Cosmos in America, in New York, I'd only just arrived, which is with Chicago, and we beat them 2-0 in New York. And I had the MVP, which was presented by Pelly to me. Of course, Pelly was playing for New York at the time as well. And he invited me back to his dressing room. <laughs> he had his own dressing room. Yes. <laughs> he didn't dress in the team room. Wow. He had his own dressing room. And uh, he took me back and uh, was saying, you know, I've obviously watched you when you played against Brazil. You're a great player. You're this, that. And now you've come here and did this to us and MVP. And he, um, that was a, a nice moment because he was the greatest. Uh, Is he still the greatest in your all. opinion? He, he was the greatest I ever played against uh, by miles. The only, the only one, I never thought I'd ever see another Pelly, ever. No matter how great, oh, there was loads of great, great players. He wasn't great, he was a genius. He was just so good, it was ridiculous. But there is one now, and he's as close as you'll ever get. I, I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to be the judge. Messi is uh, phenomenal. Messi is phenomenal. He's just a different world to everybody else. What do you so, think of Ronaldo? Then, pardon? What do you think of Ronaldo with your um, connections to Manchester yeah, United? Yeah, Ronaldo's all right. Yeah, Ronaldo's all right. He's, he's a goal scorer. But he's not a great all-round player. He's a goal scorer. But there's been loads of hundreds of great goal scorers. He's not a great all-round player. He didn't play for other people. He doesn't bring people in the game. He did. He's a goal scorer, and he's very good. Um, anyway, to come back, those two moments, but I think the greatest, if I had to pick one, it'd be the night we beat Czechoslovakia at Hamden to qualify for the World Cup. The atmosphere was unbelievable. I think there was 140,000 in Hamden that night. Uh, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. I said it's been forty odd years, and uh, it was great. And I made the winning goal, which also helped for Joe Jordan. Um, that was a great night, a great, great night. The Scottish fans are unbelievable as well, absolutely unbelievable, and uh, they deserved a bit of success. So hopefully, we gave it to them back then. Absolutely, it's a golden era of Scottish football, you're, you're totally right. What about the best players you played with? Who would you say those were in your career, Willie? Played with me? Yes, the best players you played well, with. I mean, you've got, you've got the obvious ones that played with me. Uh, the obvious ones. I mean, Dennis, George, Bobby, great, great players. Um, Crerand, one of the two greatest passers of a long ball along with Glenn Hoddle. 
Crillon, fantastic person. Um, but the player that, if I had to pick someone, and he played right half, I don't know if you remember that, he's a bit too young, Callum, what a right half was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? I don't, I'm afraid. <laughs> Enlighten me. Well, the right half, well, you know, it wasn't called midfield. It was right half, centre half and left half. And Brian played right half, which was number four. Uh, Brian O'Neill, who's a shared digs with at Burnley. And we brought up through the, you know, together from 15-year-olds. Uh, he, was, he was fantastic for me. He was fantastic. He just win the ball, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. He was, uh, I had a never-ending succession of balls coming to my feet from Brian and just he'd leave me get on with skin the fullback. He was he was um to play with. I mean obviously the other ones are all great, great players. Um but if I had to pick one to play with, it would be Brian O'Neill. In terms of best players you played against, you mentioned the likes of Pelly there. Who would you say were the best you come up against? No, Pelly, Pelly, Pelly was in the world of his own. There's Pelly, then there's everybody else. Played against, oh, Jesus, so many great players. Uh, Rivera, Peter Milan, Gianni Rivera, he was inside left. Uh, the Bobby, Mo- I mean, Go up for Bobby Moore, Jimmy Greaves, Dave Mackay, loads of great, great players. You know, there was loads of great players in those days. So, and I think two of the three greatest goalkeepers I ever saw, Schmeichel, I didn't play against, but Gordon Banks and uh, Pat Jennings, they were both unbelievable goalkeepers. So it was, you know, and it wasn't just a great... The, the game was full of great players. You had to be great. Because as a kid, when you joined the club, you had five teams. So you had five right-wingers. The first team, right, second, the reserve, A-team, B-team, and Colts. So you had five right-wingers, you had five left-wingers, you had five... You had five of everything. So you had to be good to get to the top of the five. Uh, and the same at every club. I mean, it was just skill. It was just all about skill. And there have been loads of great, you know, great players. I think, again, I've been asked many, many times, I think the the greatest British goal scorer is Jimmy Greaves. Greaves, he was unreal. He, just, he was fantastic. Dennis was great. But I think Jimmy, Jimmy was just very, very, very special. So that's that's gone now. You know, I look at the game now and say, okay, we who are you going to go and watch? Who's going to do something special? Uh, it's very very rare, very rare. You see anything special? It just all keep possession, go backwards, sideways, backwards. Um, it's not the same. It's just not. But well, the game's not the same. We know that. But that's the game that um, is here, and you know. They'll want you to keep me win no matter what it is. We talked about the best players you played with, the best players you played against. We've talked about lots of players in this episode. Who would you say were the most underrated players you played with? The most underrated players that I played with? Yes. 
uh, underrated. Oh, well, well, I've just named you one, Brian O'Neill. Yeah. I mean, Brian didn't hit any great heights. Uh, I think he went to Southampton after after Burnley. Uh, did play for England. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the thing about that era, they said the, everyone, everyone had skill. Whatever department you played in, it was a forward, you know. I mean, certain forwards, they were just there to score goals. They weren't there to make good, they were there to score goals. Inside forwards, they had to carry the ball back and forward from the uh, from the half-backs to the foot. It was, everyone had a job. And there was nowhere to hide. Because if it... If the left back played well, which hopefully wasn't too often, um, uh, then I didn't, obviously. So it was a man to, it was basically a man to man situation. So you had to go out and do your job. You couldn't, I mean, once I got the ball, which obviously I did out in the wing, and then went up to the full back and turned and passed it back, I wouldn't be playing the next game. You didn't do that, you took him on. That's what you did. So it, it's a different game, Callum, and not decrying it. You know, good luck to them. Um, uh, as long as they enjoyed it, good luck to them. What do you make of the game now? What? Sorry, I missed that. What do you make of the game now? The game? Boring. It's absolutely boring. I've never seen so many back passes in my life. We had a guy at Old Trafford, Carrick, he's still there, in some job, and he come off and they say, oh, he starts, 100 passes, 99 successful. I said, oh, okay. Now, where did he pass it? <laughs> one yard, backwards, backwards, sideways, backwards, one yard, one yard, one yard, and pass the ball forward. Was well, so he having a hundred touches? If he, if he's non-productive, you know, you, you take someone like Crand or or Hoddle, one pass, split a defence. Different, it's just a different game. It's very boring. I don't watch it to be honest. Uh, apart from if Barcelona's playing, and again, you know, they're they're not the team they were, but I still love watching Messi. Um, I, I don't watch so much. It just, it's just, well, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. But as I say, good luck to them. That's the way the game's played. It's not their fault. The last two questions I've got for you. The first one being, who was the best manager you played under and why? Push me. Well, because he was the best. He was the best, but he was just, he was a great manager. You know, I was very, I was fortunate, and as I, as I said, which ended me in the old belly, unfortunate. But they, I was, I had Harry Potts was, was brilliant. Harry Potts is brilliant, and Ian Greaves at Bolton was absolutely brilliant. Greaves, he was great manager, and of course, then you got you got Matt. Mark was in the world of his own. He's the greatest manager of all time, in my opinion. He's the greatest of all time. Um, and sadly, miss. 
I miss him on the golf course because he was my partner. We used to make a few quid on <laughs> the golf course, <laughs> make our wages up. Uh, so no, Busby, Busby is a league of his own. And the last question I've got for you is: If you had to make a five-a-side team with all those amazing players you played with, who would be in it and why? Say that again, Callum. I missed that bit. If, I, I'm, if putting I you, to... I'm putting you on the spot with this one. If you had to make a five-a-side team with all those amazing players you played with, who would be in it and why? Who'd be in it and why? Okay, five-a-side team. Oh my goodness, a five-a-side team. Uh, well, it'd be me, obviously. It'd be Bestie. It'd be Pelly. It'd be Messi. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God, Jimmy Greaves. Oh, brilliant. That's well, on five side team. There you go. That's brilliant. Willie, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Not at all, Paul. It's a pleasure. I hope it all works for you. And I hope it's all good for you. So we'll dive down to the ocean. I'm gonna make her home in a deep sea cave. And her shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean. I'm gonna make her 